Normally I have a cute introduction plan for the start of the podcast, but I'm past all that because I'm tired of them playing with us. And by us, I mean black people. Now, I know you've seen it, whether you're looking at political parties or advertising or candidates, the whole way it's pretty clear that black people aren't taken seriously in politics. Now, we could blame them or we could blame us. For the sake of this podcast, I'm putting everybody on notice. Because none of us are taking this as seriously as we need to. And we need a more serious black politics. Um, to, be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. To make a difference. What's going on, family? It's Ken making your host of Making a Difference. So glad you guys are checking in with me today. I want to talk about a more serious black politics, and it's sorely needed, clearly needed if you're looking at the you know current political landscape. And there are just a few things I want to try to you know address here um, during this short time because I'm I'm looking really you know being a South Carolinian and you know residing in South Carolina, I can just look across you know look across the river and basically see what's going on in Georgia. Two huge races that are going on. Uh, you have the governor's race uh, between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. You also have uh, the senatorial uh, race between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Well, before before I get into those races, let me just go ahead and just kind of clear the air in terms of, you know, political infrastructure and just the way politics are, American politics, um, the way that they really don't care about black people. And to understand why they don't care black, about black people, you have to look at, first and foremost, that America is decidedly anti-black. You can look at uh, anti-black sentiments. You can look at anti-black policies. You can look at the response to movements such as Black Lives Matter. I mean, we can go back and look historically at black power, reconstruction, all of these different things, you know, that are that have noted and acknowledged that black people have been disregarded and disrespected in this country. And so every time you every time there's a chance that black people might get not a leg up, but um, that there's even a hint of equity or equality, people get angry about it. And so you have to look at blackness, black people, black politics, the response to us from that perspective. And I think if you have that understanding, and there's a, I think, I think, I think there's more clarity in terms of why black people are so disrespected and disregarded, generally speaking you know, as it relates to this country. And, you know, when you look at white supremacy and its worldwide grasp, you, you see that disrespect. Um, I'll use this term just in this note, in this case, people of color. Um, you'll see why people of color are disrespected all over the world. But clearly, you know, for this discussion, we're going to talk about black folks and black politics. This will not be a discussion about Democrat versus Republicans because Democrats nor Republicans are regarding black folks with the respect that we deserve. But I want to get away from the, you know, I guess the lead into all of this and really just talk about some of the issues at hand and what needs to happen for black people to resolve these issues. Because, you know, I'm looking, this podcast is taking place in October, 2022. Um, you have the midterms that are coming up next month. And I don't think there's a gonna, I, I think 
what we're going to see out of the midterms is that we're going to see a commitment, a recommitment, a reemphasis on white supremacy, you know, careening <laughs> just out of control. Um, and, you know, you can, obviously it's been ever present, you know, since the country was founded. But there are just certain things and certain players. And, you know, I'm just I'm looking at this thing. and I'm just like, man, it's, it's about to get really crazy, you know, from the end of this year moving into 2024 and beyond. And so the question we have to ask is always, the question I'll always ask is what does this mean for black people? What's clear is that there's not only racial animus and racial contempt and hate, but there are racial disparities that have to be addressed. I was just reading something uh, from the New York Times that said um, basically that type two diabetes could not be cured by you know a drug or medical procedure because the disparities are too great, whether those are disparities in not only healthcare, um, not only access to resources, but just things, you know, um, you know, just basically livable areas, places where you can walk, transportation, all of these things. And that is basically to say that racism is literally killing black folks and racism is literally keeping black people in survival mode. And that is something that occurs regardless of class. Now, certainly the higher up, you know, in terms of wealth and, you know, the black bourgeoisie, certainly in the black bourgeoisie, you have less less instances of that type of urgency and threat. But the animus remains. And quite honestly, the danger remains in a country such as this one. So if the New York Times, one of the most prominent um, newspapers in this country, one of the most prominent uh, sources of journalism in this country can acknowledge that. What is the response from the political infrastructure in this country? How can we quickly close uh, those racial disparities and that racial wealth gap? Well, the short answer, of course, is reparations. It is to say specifically, look, there needs to be a redistribution of wealth, a redistribution of cash to African-Americans, to black people to say, look, these are uh, disparities and things that have occurred over this extended period of time that it, this, in addition to other um, other adjustments, can be made to rectify this problem. Neither political party is invested in that. Neither of the, the main political parties are invested in that. Huge red flag. Now, at the same time that we're seeing this perpetual disrespect of black folks, we are seeing uh, the U.S. commit all of these resources to Ukraine. Uh, the last installment, I want to say, was $12 billion dollars. And so this government, this administration has sent untold numbers of money and resources over to the Ukraine with no good reasoning, because that money can certainly be um, be spent in the states, can certainly be spent on not only reparations packages, but really just packages for all Americans. That lack of commitment is troubling and it is a. Well, I should say lack of well, it's a lack of commitment to black folks is a lack of commitment <laughs> um, in the states. But I do believe that in addition to other factors, obviously, our response to the COVID pandemic, which is still ongoing. You know, I know folks are you know looking to get back to normal. And that's another conversation in and of itself. But what you have now is that you have the makings of a regime change. And what I mean by regime change is, is that you have um, basically what we have now. The Biden administration is a. Uh, center-right administration. Uh, that is to say that they do engage in Republican politics in the traditional sense. There is a conservative um, element um, in a traditional sense, but we're going to see a change from 
that type of conservatism to a more extremist, um, you know, conservatism or, you know, I right wing. I, I, you know, people use the term right wing, but there's a certain uh, implication when you say, oh, this is the, uh, the the right, which is to imply, you know, a correctness. I would prefer to say white wing. It makes the intent clear and it really just speaks to a, you know, it it speaks honestly about, you know, this country and the priorities of this country. This country prioritizes whiteness. It prioritizes white feelings. It prioritizes white guilt, all of the above. That's why you have people who are, are, you know, attacking the way that we teach our children in education. This is why you haven't seen a real sense of accountability for what happened January 6, 2021. You know, here we are, look, uh, more than a year later, almost two years later, there's still this dangerous uh, prevailing culture um, that's really affecting everything that we do. It's affecting us in terms of education. It's affecting us in terms of health care. It's, you know, it's affecting us in every way imaginable. And there's really there hasn't been a radical enough response, you know, to everything that's happened over these last few years. I can tell you there has been a, a response to the Black Lives Matter movement. There's been a radical response to that. You know, that was June 2020. And it doesn't seem like, you know, that was two years ago, but it's it's been two years ago and it's gone. And honestly, I there are very little remnants of that movement, save for, you know, small activist pockets. But in terms of just a, a national conversation and in terms of just, a, a, you know, people collectively, you know, moving with a certain amount of fear and a certain amount of respect for that movement, like all of that is totally gone. And I've spoken about that on this uh, podcast, you know, many times, honestly. The first mistake was electing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. A lot of Americans, you know, subscribe to the notion that those were the only two choices that we had. And so or the, the two choices that we had were Biden and Trump. And out of that, you know, there was there was not going to be any profound change. You were go- we were going to be left with the status quo and the status quo, you know, is not anything that's good for black folks. And so what you have is you have, you know, these piecemeal, you know, uh, minor, you know, uh, adjustments to legislation, you know, things that are, are more than uh, that are nothing more than teases. You can look at the Biden response to student debt. You can look at the Biden response more recently to, um, you know, marijuana legislation, you know, trending toward de- decriminalization. And when I say trend, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it's like dropping a pebble, you know, in the ocean. Nothing significant or profound, just more of maintaining the status quo. But look, I've spent 10 minutes, you know, talking about kind of like I said, I said I wasn't going to talk about it this long, but I just, you know, I, I think these things are really important to, you know, address within the context of everything that's going on. But I do want to talk about, you know, what black people need to do now and organize, 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 organize. If we don't organize as a community of people like we are, you can forget about it. You know, we can organize. I want to say, first and foremost, we need to organize as black people. Because I do understand that there are some gender, um, there are some gender breakdowns that are occurring, and I, I do want to talk about that within the context of uh, what's going to happen with Stacey Abrams, I think. But I, I do think that black men and black women, black women, black men, whichever order you want to put that in, you know, are going to have to sit down and we're going to have to, you know, assess what community means to us, um, what it means to us in terms of careerism, what it means to us in terms of our children, what it means to us in terms of interpersonal relationships, in terms of intimate relationships. And 
we got to be able to have these conversations in a way that aren't extremists, aren't, you know, looking at exceptions to the rule, but actually looking at building um, healthy relationships and building healthy futures. Because right now we don't have that. And so what's happening is just that it's every man for himself. And again, I'm, I can certainly say that about black people in general. There has to, there needs to be a, a restoration of community in a way that, you know, generates a mass movement that allows us to organize as a community of people. And once we have that, that's the beginning of, you know, creating um, countercultures to the status quo that we have now. And that's that's something that's desperately needed. The a reason why we aren't taken seriously in certain circles is because we are decidedly disjointed. And it's easy for the Democratic Party, for example, to say, look, we only need black people in the months before midterms and presidential elections. We otherwise don't need that community of people. And that's something that has to change. You know, we make those adjustments locally. We build among each other in the community around us. And then we create the coalitions there. Um, those that Again, that those coalitions have to be built within communities, you know, as it relates to, you know, our, our children's go. Our children go to the same schools. We need to organize. Um, we go to the same churches. We are, you know, we live in the same areas. We need to organize in that way. Black media outlets need to organize in a way where we aren't, you know, consolidating, you know, in the name of capitalism. We aren't consolidating in the name of, hey, we got to get these, you know, we got to get uh, marketing and ad opportunities. But we're, but we are coming together with the interests of Black people. And understanding the urgency of our people that like that, <laughs> that's got to happen yesterday. That's got to happen like, you know, months ago. But we're certainly in this place now where, look, the future that we want begins today. And so that's where I am certainly as, you know, the host of this podcast and as someone who writes and, you know, really engages these issues and is just gravely concerned. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, some of the races in Georgia and just some of my thoughts on them. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your all-state insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706 706- 434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William View Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. It's the West Coast diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making. Welcome back to Making the Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making. I just want to talk about, man, look, <laughs> these folks need to stop playing with us. I'm you know, just looking at uh, the political landscape and it's crazy as hell out here. I'll just say that the long and the, sh- and the short of it. I was going to talk about Stacey Abrams and some of the Georgia races, but I really do want to emphasize like how folks are advertising wise. They are literally playing with us. I want to talk about, excuse me, I want to share with you a political ad um, that I heard during the, I want to say this was during the president presidential election in 2020. And I will follow that one up 
uh, with a most recent ad that I mean, it's just it's 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 just so disrespectful. <laughs> you you you'll have to hear it to believe it. And but I will play the one from 2020 first. Get, get, get your booty to the pole, 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 yeah. Did we get your attention? Good. So, you're really not gonna vote? You know it's more than just the president on the ballot, right? Check it. A district attorney decides who to prosecute. Including whether or not to go after dirty cops. Do you know who elects the DA? We do. But you don't want to vote. Can't make it rain if you locked up on some bullshit. Want trades and coding taught in our schools? Then vote for the school boards that will prepare us for the job market. Want to end cash bail? Well, then vote for the sheriffs and county officials that feel the same way you do. But you talking about, oh, they going to pick who they going to pick, shawty. Ferguson just elected their first black mayor. You know how that happened? It's clear black lives don't matter to some of our current elected officials. If they matter to you, then don't let other people decide who's going to run your community. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get, get, get your vote, vote, yeah. vote, 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 stretch. For information on how and where to vote, as well as resources to find out who's running where you live, go to getyourbootytothepole.com. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. So basically, you got a boondock sketch that is masquerading as a political advertisement. And look, I get the message. The message, you know, the idea is good. The presentation is disrespectful. It's over-sexualized. It's to say, look, I mean, it perpetu- the way that it tries to attract uh, black people and prospective black voters is to say, look, you're over-sexualized, you're animalistic, and this is how we're going to, you know, get you to uh, get you to the polls is we're going to engage you in this way. And it's profoundly disrespectful. But that ad is tame compared to the one I'm about to share with you now. Yeah. Yeah. Trey Tracks, I think we got one. <laughs> it's voting season, bruh. Now vote in, no loving. Now vote in, no touching. Now vote in, no nothing. Now vote in, no fucking, no vote in, no fucking. Now vote in, no loving. that's no voting no uh fucking v-u-c-k-i-n-g look i've been i've been looking at politics for i'll say about fit about almost the better part of 20 years and i've never seen anything so look so disrespectful that's the that's the only word well it's not the only word i can use but it makes you wonder like who's putting these ads together because to me you here and here and here's my one of my takes on it is that ads like that are actually used to discourage the black vote like an ad like that is not going to encourage black people to vote if anything it's going to make people say you know what i want to take a step back away from the polls now 
Do I advise that? No. Do I understand the angst that comes with that? Certainly. But at the root of it is, is that people really got to stop playing with us, man. And I know who's, you know, who's in the boardroom for these types of dialogues. You have the black bourgeoisie. You have people who, you know, look, I'll put it like this. Everybody in the room that put this ad together has a stereotypical view of black people. And we'd like to think that black people don't like we like to think that all black people don't have a stereotypical view of each other or black people don't have stereotypical stereotypical views of each other. But that's simply inaccurate. And it's unfortunate. Because you get products like this, like at some point, somebody had to be like, oh, hell no, we're not running this garbage. But everybody signed off on it. You know, somebody signed off on it because they were ignorant. Some, somebody signed off on it because, you know, they wanted to keep their job. Whatever it was, this is the end result. And it's something that shows the disrespect and the disregard um, that is being that is being shown toward black people. Kind of wrap up the show talking about Stacey Abrams and everything that's going on in Georgia. You're listening to Making a Difference. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man Ken Macon. Keep it locked. Peace. This is Donald Doe and Mike Hill Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance, building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. And listen. This episode of Making a Difference and every episode moving forward will honor the life and legacy of my dear brother, James Macon. James had a way of telling the truth that endeared him to family and made him respected by his friends and peers. That standard is now my gift and my burden of responsibility. Long live St. James. When you listen to Making a Difference, you're listening to independent black media. And we need your support now more than ever. When it comes to Making a Difference, there are a lot of different ways that you can show love to what we're doing here. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash Macon, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. On Twitter, the handle is Difference Macon, M-A-K-I-N. You can also support us financially through both Cash App and Patreon. Patreon, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Macon, a different show. You can also support us on Cash App at dollar sign Macon, a different show. Thank you in advance for your support, and I love you so much. Peace. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Want to wrap up this latest episode of Making a Difference. Want to talk about what's going on in Georgia. Want to talk specifically about the Stacey Abrams uh, going up against Brian Kemp and why I think she's going to lose and who I think is going to get the blame for it. I'm already seeing, you know, some of it uh, manifest itself on social media and and particularly on Twitter. You know, it's being said that um, if Stacey Abrams doesn't win, that it'll be black men's fault. And... You have to understand that, first of all, when you talk about black men and black women, you're talking about a group that overwhelmingly votes for the Democratic Party. And so I think you may have where it's like, I think maybe 80 to 85 percent of black men vote Democrat. 
And I think that number is 85 to 90 percent uh, for women. I'm, you know, those are, you know, within the realm of it's not, you know, I'm not saying anything that's totally false. It may be off, you know, some percentage points. But what you basically have is that you basically have a commitment to a specific political party. And so based on that to say, oh, well, because black men didn't, you know, completely uh, devote themselves and lay down, you know, castrate to the Democratic Party, you know, it's. You know, if things don't go our way, it's it's their fault. And I think you have to more so look at how Stacey Abrams is running her, her campaign. And I and I would say this for not only Abrams campaign, I'll say this for Warnock's campaign as well. They are not running a campaign to get black votes. <laughs> They're running campaigns to get votes of white moderates. And so what you end up having is, is that you end up having the, the commercials uh, that they have where they're basically running, you know, commercials trying to get Republicans to vote for him. And that's why you have Stacey Abrams, who, look, came out like a top cop. She said, look, you know, she's doing these ads, you know, Kemp, and of course, Kemp's people are going to say, well, Stacey Abrams is trying to defund the police. You know, she's celebrity, Stacey, blah, blah, blah. And Abrams' response to that is, no, actually, I want, you know, cops to, I think cops should make more X, Y, Z. Cops making more does not help black people. Let's be clear about that. We know the outcomes uh, when it comes to police. Um, we know that however Democrats or Repu- Republicans feel, and we know they neither party co-signs to fund the police, even though it's fairly clear that money needs to be reallocated from policing and needs to be you know, put into public services and public goods. Like that's painfully apparent. But that's not the campaign that Stacey's running. And so when you run a campaign like that, understand that there are going to be ramifications of running a campaign like that. I went uh, to Stacey Abrams' uh, website the other day and I downloaded the Black Men's Agenda. I was looking forward to reading it. Uh, It didn't take me long to read it because it was only a two page PDF. The first PDF was, you know, a photo op, you know, of Stacey and some brothers. And the second one, you know, and I would encourage, obviously, you know, to go to, I would, you can know, it's a simple Google search. You can go look up Stacey Abrams, black men, agenda, black men's agenda, and you can see how vapid and empty it is and how it does nothing really to help working class black men. And again, when you run your campaign in this way, there's a certain destiny that comes out of it. You, you're not going to, you know, you don't have radical campaigns from black candidates by and large when you get to, you know, the national stage. It's the same thing with Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is in a, um, in a heated, um, you know, battle with Herschel Walker. And you're talking about a preacher versus a man who's a known abuser, um, you know, who, you know, and, you know, his children speak out against him in public. And this race is close because the GOP, they're not in this for respectability politics. They're in this for power. And so there are going to be people who are going to vote for Herschel Walker because Herschel Walker is going to vote Republican. He's going to, you know, vote white wing on a lot of these issues. And Raphael Warnock, unfortunately, hasn't done anything to distinguish himself except for the $1,400 that they sent out um, in stimulus money that should have been $2,000. So, yes, (laughs) you know, there's no profound working class legislation that, you know, Georgia representatives nor the Democrats on the whole have passed. And so this is why, you know, you're seeing these issues and you're seeing, look, Republicans. And like I said, I think Republicans are going to have a field day, you know, during the midterms. 
again, what does this mean for black people? What it means for black people is, is that now's the time to organize because it honestly feels like that, you know, it feels like it that Trump never lost. You know, with the things that are going on with the states, particularly being here in South Carolina, I've lo- I'm looking at what's happening here in South Carolina with McMaster, the governor, obviously looking at what's going on with Kemp in Georgia, DeSantis and what's going on with DeSantis in Florida and, you know, all throughout Mississippi and really just along the Bible Belt. And it's perilous. And Jackson, obviously, I, I think everybody's you know very much familiar with what happened with the, the water crisis in Jackson. Now they're looking at a crisis of sanitation. Um, I recommend that you, you know, look up and follow the Mississippi Free Press on a lot of the things that's been going on in Jackson and throughout that state. And what you see is basically, you know, what you'll see throughout the South is that there are pockets of African-Americans who are being displaced and disregarded here again because of politics. And this is why I go back to the ultimate point of this podcast, which is we need a more serious black politics because the times for us are perilous and are very serious. And, you know, people are dying Um, People are dying because of negligence. People are dying because of, you know, the response to uh, the realities of COVID. And it's exacerbated a lot of the um, the issues that were already present in terms of disparity. So we got to come together and really focus um, not just politically, obviously, but just in terms of people and just helping out wherever we can. That's making a difference for today. Um, Appreciate you guys listening. in. I really just want to get this off my chest. Um, It's been a great few you know, months, weeks, however you want to put it, man, been putting a lot of work in just writing wise would encourage you guys, obviously, um, to follow us on Facebook, uh, making a different show at the, you know, making a different show is facebook.com backslash making a different show. You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm um, at difference making support whenever, when and wherever you can, you can obviously comment here on SoundCloud or on Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast, but man, it's listen, you know, me, man, it's forever love. I uh, appreciate you guys so much. I'm Ken making, this is making a difference. Peace and God bless. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.